Now more with Frank Gaffney. We're back, and I couldn't be more pleased to say we are joined by one of the people who I have been most impressed by in the past year, particularly because of the work she does as an investigative reporter with a new organization, the National Pulse, uh, headed up by Rahim Kassam, a tremendous writer and reporter in his own right. And Natalie Winters um, is a force multiplier for not just the National Pulse um, and for its uh, podcast, which she co-hosts with Rahim at thenationalpulse.com, but also for the cause, because she writes brilliantly. She is fearless in terms of the challenge of overcoming um, impediments thrown her way as she tries to follow a story, and she gets the facts right, and she gets them out. And um, I'm deeply grateful, as well as I know our audience, and I think the American people more generally for all you do. Natalie Winters, at the tender age of 20, no less, you are a phenomenon, as well as a wunderkind. So thank you for joining us to talk a little bit about some of your really important work. And we're delighted to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me and for those kind words. Well, they're they're heartfelt and more to the point, they're warranted. Let me ask you about how you perceive the threat posed to our country by the Chinese Communist Party. Well, I think as we're reflecting on the 100-year anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party, there's a lot of discussion about how the West endeavored to set out to change China. But in reality, and I think that this is you know, consensus now, the Chinese Communist Party changed us. But more precisely, they changed the American elite, the American establishment. And of course, I I could talk about the ideological compromise, which we see through really the Marxist subversion of so many elements of American society, whether it's critical race theory in the classrooms, all the way up to the military. But I also think, and this is what we really focus on at the National Pulse, is how so much of this subversion hasn't necessarily come through ideological compromise, but it's come in conjunction with what I call kind of a boots-on-the-ground compromise in the sense that people who hold positions of power, whether it be in the federal government and mainstream media and cultural institutions, they have such deep and extensive ties to the Chinese Communist Party, whether uh, through financial deals, uh, or just even to ideological compromise or just even organizations that will, you know, court individuals with free trips to China uh, and upon return, they're forced to provide them with, with something in return. Uh, that's what we really focus on at the National Pulse. And I think that that is the most dangerous aspect of the Chinese Communist Party, not only because it's on full display in the Biden regime, uh, but also because the Chinese Communist Party loves to target voices and institutions that Americans should revere and should respect and should really listen to. Uh, but they love to kind of alter and neuter what they're saying to be in line with propaganda and talking points of Beijing. If the Americans who are peddling this disinformation, they never really disclose that the reason why the narratives that they're pushing uh, have such close alignment with the Chinese Communist Party is because they are so deeply tied to them. So it really is not to use a phrase from the left, but this really is true disinformation, true misinformation, and it's propaganda. I don't think that uh, is an overstatement. No, I don't either. And and it is, as you say, part and parcel of a comprehensive political warfare strategy that involves influence operations in all of our institutions. And I wanted to talk to you about one you alluded to a moment ago, namely the Biden regime, as you call it. Um, The Biden administration, 
the Biden Harris administration. <laughs> we talked in the course of uh, the, 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 the program about polling that indicates most uh, Americans don't think uh, Biden is actually in charge of this administration, so who knows what we should call it. But whatever we do, it has been deeply compromised as well from the president on down, let's face it, by the cumulative effects of years in many cases of Chinese influence operations and uh, corruption and suborning in other ways. Um, I wanted you to talk about that generally because you've been doing a fabulous job documenting examples of it, notably with uh, CIA director Bill Burns, but also a chap by the name of Thomas Zimmerman. And um, his name came up again last night on Steve Bannon's show, which you frequent, uh, The uh, War Room, also co-hosted by your boss, Rahim. Um, two of our colleagues at the Committee on the Present Danger China, Sam Faddis and Trevor Loudon, were featured in a discussion of what is called the accountability initiative, which is kind of a parallel effort to your own, Natalie Winters. And I just wanted you to talk about um, Zimmerman in particular, just as an example of this problem and what it ominously portends for this administration and for our country. Sure. Well, the, the Biden regime is most definitely radioactive with regards to the Chinese Communist Party influence uh, over it. And Thomas Zimmerman, as you say, is really uh, just one of many, many, many examples of a running and, trust me, uh, ever-expanding list of people who have explicit ties, and not just to the Chinese Communist Party, but to front groups for the Chinese Communist Party that have direct links to whether it's espionage campaigns or groups whose sole purpose and effort is to get uh, useful idiot-type Americans to push the, the policies and agenda of the Chinese Communist Party in Washington. And I really think that there's no better example of this than, as you say, Thomas Zimmerman. And particularly, I think he's really an interesting character to focus on right now because his role as a special assistant to Joe Biden on national security agency personnel really dovetails with what we're seeing going on with regards to Tucker Carlson uh, and, and his allegations that the NSA had tapped his phone and had been reading his communications. And really, that's a concern of all Americans, which I would say is really when you see the U.S. federal government acting uh, really uh, in line with the Chinese Communist Party. But, but Thomas Zimmerman, um, to, I mean, to, to speak rather bluntly, uh, really is an alum of a Chinese Communist Party-run think tank in Shanghai that has seen other Americans who've gone through this institution actually be arrested for, for selling classified documents from the CIA and other uh, federal government agencies within the U.S. to this think tank so they could then use that information to better target and really better weaken the United States before he joined uh, the Biden regime, which I'd also add, he served on the transition team. So he's been in there since before day one uh, of the Biden regime. Uh, he's been playing a critical role in determining what is called the Office of Presidential Personnel. It's really the equivalent of HR uh, in the White House in hiring processes, determining, you know, who gets to work where. And I believe it was Reagan who said, you know, personnel is policy. Uh, so, of course, within the Biden regime, you're going to get Chinese Communist Party personnel. And as a result, you're going to get Chinese Communist Party policy. Um, and I, I really think that Thomas Zimmerman's key role in, in the personnel selection process of the Biden regime 
is on full display when you read a lot of the stories that we have up at the National Pulse, whether it's the Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman, who's taken free trips to China uh, from influence groups that are backed by the Chinese Communist Party, whether it's his presumptive pick for China Ambassador Nick Burns, who used to consult alongside former Chinese Communist Party officials at a cushy D.C.-based consulting firm, uh, or even if it's people who've spoken alongside uh, researchers from MIT who've been indicted for actually conducting work on behalf of the Chinese government while taking American taxpayer dollars, who are now running Joe Biden's National Economic Council, all the way down to, you know, his China policy coordinator has also taken those trips to China from entities that want favorable coverage in return. And you can actually see through emails that we accessed of hers uh, through WikiLeaks with John Podesta, this individual by the name of Melanie Hart says that she is, quote, fine with the Chinese Communist Party's international influencing over think tanks. So that kind of tells you the mindset that we're getting. And believe me, the Chinese Communist Party is not a silent investor on Wall Street and these think tanks and these academia institutions. They most definitely uh, want, and believe me, get a high return on investment with the money that they're plowing into these institutions. Institutions and individuals. You're absolutely right. Um, Boy, there's so much there to unpack and we're going to have to do it on another occasion. But uh, let me just say um, one data point that you had in your article about Thomas Zimmerman that really jumped out at me was that think tank that he'd been associated with was identified not just as uh, having you know, facilitated the transfer of classified information uh, illicitly obtained from, you know, American traders. But they work for the Ministry of State Security of China. This is uh, this is a, a relationship with, indeed, the intelligence services of the Chinese Communist Party. And it's therefore that much more scandalous, as is the fact that the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, as you've written about, uh, Natalie Winters, in National Polls, lied to the Senate Intelligence Committee during his confirmation hearings about his involvement with some of these uh, kinds of Chinese influence operations. In fact, very directly helping them under his tenure as the president of the Carnegie Endowment. So much more to talk about on that. But let me turn quickly to one other thing that you've done incredibly important work on just very quickly. Um, Describe the role of Peter Daszak and um, Tony Fauci with respect to enabling this uh, Chinese Wuhan Institute of Virology. I've got less than a minute, so message discipline. Sure. Well, I call COVID-19 the weapon of mass destruction from the Chinese Communist Party and Peter Daszak the weapon of mass distraction. Uh, He's been really the the key driver of propaganda on the origins of COVID-19, always in line with the Chinese Communist Party and Fauci, whether he's on mainstream media outlets, Chinese state-run media outlets, or sitting in front of senators, he can consistently lie. I encourage people to check out a report that we've up at the National Pulse about how Fauci really for decades has been pursuing collaboration with the Chinese Communist Party, even entities that are linked to the military. And the same goes for Peter Daszak and EcoHealth. Dissembled about it in both cases. Natalie Winters, we have to leave it at that. Thank you for the work you do at the National Pulse, the National Pulse podcast, at uh, the War Room Pandemic. And here, come back to us again soon, if you would. Thank you so much for having me. Next up, we will be speaking with Robert Cahilly about the poll that finds most Americans don't think Joe Biden is actually in charge. That and more straight ahead. 
This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. A recent poll found that a majority of Americans believe Joe Biden is not in charge. His remarks yesterday about the end next month of U.S. military operations in Afghanistan reinforced that realistic perception. Notably, the apparent commander-in-chief in name only assured us the Taliban is highly unlikely to own the whole country. He said there's no circumstance in which helicopters will lift desperate people from the U.S. embassy roof like when we abandoned and lost South Vietnam. Only someone utterly disconnected from reality and responsibility could make such statements, let alone insist that the U.S. will continue to support the Afghan military and the people of Afghanistan will decide their country's fate. What will the person who is actually running America do when these preposterous assertions prove wrong, especially to protect us from a triumphant Taliban and emboldened global jihad movement? This is Frank Gaffney.